The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Take your Bibles with me. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 6. Let's read beginning in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And and one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King of the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken uh, with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we have together. I thank you for your holy word and the inspiration that we find in the scriptures and the the guidance and the, the instruction and direction. And Lord, I just pray that we would always be faithful throughout our lives to, to proclaim your word and to glorify you in our, in our life and in, in our interactions with people and all the things we do. Use us, Father, and help us to serve you and to fulfill the, the purpose for, for your calling us to this place, to serve in this church. Help Berean to be a, a place of, of, of refuge for the, for the souls of men. Thank you, Lord, for this time now. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. I love the verse number, um, verse number five here where Isaiah says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I don't think you or I should ever approach the Lord without feeling what Isaiah felt. I think today in America we have, we have too many Christians, too, too many people who claim to be Christians, who too highly value themselves and too highly rate themselves. A lot of that has to, comes from these prosperity-driven preachers who... Who, who go to great lengths to, to tell men, you are okay like you are. Feel good about yourself. Be the best you you can be. And I think that's produced a generation of haughty people who, who, who think they're doing God a favor when they come to church. And they walk into a church service and you better not preach a message that offends them 
Because they'll get up and walk out on you. And they don't have the feeling that Isaiah had. When Isaiah realized that he was in the presence of the Lord, he said, woe is me. Tonight, as I prepare to, to come to this place and stand in this, in, this, in this pulpit and preach, I feel exactly the way Isaiah did. Woe is me. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I want to make one thing perfectly clear tonight. Whatever I say, I don't want you to get the impression that I think I'm a master at all of these things. That I think I'm, I'm the best one here tonight. I want you to know that I am as humbled as I could be that, that the pastor continues to ask me to preach and that the Lord allows me the privilege of preaching his word. Tonight, I want to preach the message, Who Will Go and Work? Pastor has been preaching a series of messages from the book of Revelations concerning the letters written to the seven churches in Asia, to the church at Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. In these letters, we, we see things that each church was doing well, and some things where they were lacking. And as we have gone through these series of messages, I've, I've begun to think about our own church here in Rona Park. I've begun to think about Berean Baptist Church. And I began to consider <laughs> what things the Lord might say to us. What things He might, he might come to us and, and say concerning the things maybe we're doing good, we're doing right. I, but I, I also wonder if there's some things He would come to us. I wonder if He would say, but I have ought against thee. Have you ever considered that while, while pastors going through these messages? Have you thought about that any? About, about applying it to your own, your own heart? As the Lord examines our hearts, and, and the Lord knows everything about us, as He examines our heart, He might say there's some good things in your life that I like, some things that I'm pleased with, some things that I'm happy about, but there are some things in your life I'm not so happy with. Now, I cannot assume to know the mind of Christ. I cannot assume to know his mind well enough to know where he might praise us and where he might chastise us. However, given the mandates that we find in scriptures regarding the ministry of the local church, there are some things tonight that I know that we are doing right. I, there are some things I know that we do well. Things such as um, the doctrines of the Bible, staying true to, to biblical doctrine. Things such as even church discipline. Uh, things like moral purity. Berean is a place where, where, where moral purity is, is taught and preached and admonished. Things such as separation and Perseverance, and the list goes on. Berean has been a beacon in this area for preaching truth without wavering and without compromise since it began. We have labored diligently to maintain the purity of our church 
in the administration of the ordinances, in matters concerning baptism and the Lord's Supper, our pastor and our board of deacons and all of you as members, we have, we have labored diligently to maintain purity in these things. And though there are many, even those of our own kind, even, even some Baptists that hate and despise us for what we preach and believe, we have stayed the course that has been laid before us. And for this, we should give thanks. And for this, we should be proud. However, tonight, we do have somewhat to answer for. Look with me again in Isaiah chapter 6, in verse 8. We read there, Who, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? The Lord is asking here, Whom shall I send to the people of Israel? Whom shall I send to reprove them for their blindness and their foolishness? Whom shall I, shall I send to warn them and to foretell unto them of their coming ruin and destruction? Now, of course, the Lord knew who to send. And he knew whom he would send. So this question is not his asking for advice, who should I send? For he already knows that. But his question is his way of intimating that it was going to be a difficult thing for any man to undertake. That there were few, very few, that were prepared to go and to do such a mission. In other words, he's saying, whom shall I send to prophesy? And who will go to teach? Basically challenging Isaiah, who was standing before him, and saying, in essence, saying, will you go? Will, will you go out and work? Will you go out and teach? Will you go out and preach? And if not you, then who? And that's the question I ask tonight to you and myself as members of Berean. If we don't go, then who's going to go? We hold the truth, amen? And it's our responsibility, it's our task to go and to prophesy, not to prophesy, but to go and to preach the gospel and to warn people. And we know the answer to the question of who is to go, it's the church. I was going to ask Brother Gary to sing a song for me tonight, um, but I, I know he's a very busy man and I didn't want to burden him. But the song is, My House is Full. How many of you know this song, My House is Full? Well, the lyrics go this way. There is peace and contentment in the Father's house today. Lots of food on his table and no one is turned away. There is singing and laughter as the hours pass by. But a hush calms the singing as the father sadly cries. And then the second verse goes, push away from the table. Look out through the window pane. Just beyond this house of plenty lies a field of golden grain. And it's ripe unto harvest. But the reapers 
Where are they? In the house. Oh, can't the children hear the father sadly say. My house is full, but my fields are empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children all want to stay around my table. But no one wants to work in my fields. Oh yes, we, we can stand here tonight proudly and boast of our faithfulness to preach and teach doctrine. We can stand and declare that we do not and will not compromise with false teachers or false religions. We can stand strongly for the purity of our membership and our adherence to scriptural expectations for our ministries. But in this one thing, do we lack? It seems my children all want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work in my Thanksgiving Day, I got up at 5 a.m. and I prepped my turkey. At 6 o'clock, I put it in the oven, 25-pound turkey. It roasted for six hours. At noon, I took it out and set it up on the counter, covered it with foil so it could rest, and my wife began to prepare the rest of the side dishes for the meal. Fifteen people crowded around my table, and we carved the turkey, and we, we shared the meal, and everyone was, ah. Oh. But no one got up to wash dishes. My wife and I did them. And, and this is kind of illustrative of what I'm talking about here. We come to, we come to a, a, a wonderful church where there's, where there's sound doctrinal preaching by the pastor and, and teaching that is based upon biblical doctrine and biblical principles. We do everything we possibly can to honor the sovereignty of God and, and, and to honor the doctrines of grace. And we come in and people come in and sit here and feast upon the meal prepared from the Word of God, and, and everyone fills up and feels real good, and we're all gathered around God's table, and there's lots of singing, and there's lots of laughter, and the hours go by and go by and go by. Yet the Father says, It seems my children all want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work in my fields. Tonight, I'm talking about our labor as the reaper's of the harvest. Listen. I don't know if you've ever worked on a farm or been around a farm where, where crops are grown and things like that. My father worked in rice fields for many years and I grew up in, around that and I've seen much of that. My father-in-law is a sugar cane. Uh, he worked for a sugar cane manufacturing company. Worked around that. All I've, I've seen that. I've been around all of that. Every year in September and October, November, they begin to harvest the, the cane, sugar cane to produce the sugar. And what they do is they bus in all of these harvesters, all of these reapers, and they all get in the barn and they stand there and say, 
Okay. Where's the cane? Is that the way it's done? Back in the rice fields and the rice paddies, all these, all these harvesters would come in, all these men and women who were going to harvest the rice crop, and they'd all just go sit around a circle and, and say, well, I wonder when they're going to bring that rice in from the field so we can harvest it. That's not how it works. You see, the reapers don't wait in the barn for the harvest to come in. The reapers have to go. And they have to bring the harvest into the barn. In Luke chapter 14, verse 23, we, we read, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out. You see that? Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. You know, you know why we have empty pews in the church? Because we're not going out and compelling them to come in. I hear people complaining, many of my preacher friends over the years, I've heard them complain about this all the time. You know, we just can't seem to get people to church. Well, are you going out there and are you compelling them to come in as the Lord commanded us to do? Now, the word compel, in a literal sense, means to forcibly drive them. That's what it means. To forcibly drive. In other words, we need to go out and press upon them the urgency of repentance. Now, we don't go out and, and, and compel them to come to church. We go out and compel them to receive Christ. We go out and compel them to be saved. And who adds to the church? pastor read that verse to us this morning. The Lord added to the church. Because the people were faithful to go and witness and compel. And, and, and God was pleased with this. And God blessed them with a bountiful harvest. We're to go and compel. To drive them, uh, forcibly drive them. To, to, to go out and, and stress the urgency, urgency of, making, uh, of receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are three things I want to stress tonight concerning this urgency upon you and I as the children of God, the church, with regards to this harvest. Three things. Number one, I want us to understand the harvest is prepared. The harvest is prepared. In John chapter 4 and verse 35, we read, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Too many Christians are going to do Christians. You know what I mean by a going to do Christian? That's not good English, but they're going to do Christians. Well... I'm going to start witnessing for Christ. Well, I'm going to start getting out there and handing out some tracts. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. There's, a, there's way too many going to do Christians. My daddy used to tell me, don't tell me what you're going to do. Tell me what you done did. 
And that's not good English either. Anytime, anytime I, I, I had something to do, I'd say, yeah, I'm going to do that, Dad. Boy, don't tell me what you're going to do. Go do it and then come back and tell me you did it. And, and that's what we need to do concerning this matter uh, of, of, of being witnesses for Christ. Don't talk about what we're going to do. Do we understand the harvest is already prepared? You know, there's far too many people who think they have to go out and, and they have to go out and prepare a harvest. You can't prepare a harvest. I can't prepare a harvest. Only God can prepare the harvest and it's already prepared. Jesus told his disciples, he said, Say not, there are four months and incometh harvest. Behold, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're all white already to harvest. The fields are already ripe. The harvest is already there. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10, Solomon writes, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. If you're going to do anything for Christ, do it now. Because as James told us, we may not have a tomorrow. What is your life? It is even the vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. I'm 60 years old tonight. I look back and think when I was just getting into the ministry at the age of 23, I don't know where all the years have gone. I told him, I was telling my wife that the other day. Where has all the time gone? The, the old people when I was young used to say, you know, time flies when you get old, boy. And I used to think, well, that's, you know, the scientist in me said, well, that's ridiculous. Time is a constant. But it's not. I think I just finished paying off last Christmas. And it's, it's this Christmas. That's not fair. Somehow they advanced the, the calendars. Whatsoever your hand finds to do. Are you working on your job? Then, then work as though you're working for the Lord. Be honest. Be hardworking. Pray for your fellow workers. Have compassion on them. Share your faith with them. Witness to them. I work in a, I work in a, a retirement center, and, and, and one, one, one of the elderly ladies, she's 105 years old. She was asleep in the dining room the other day, and one of the one of the aides said, she's, in, she's sleeping in there. I said, give her a break. She's 105. It's a miracle she got out of bed this morning. Listen, have compassion. I'm not, I'm not talking about necessarily going out and banging on doors and shoving things in people's faces and, and what's known as aggressive soul winning. I'm not talking about that, although there's nothing wrong with going out and knocking on doors and witnessing people. I think we ought to do that, but there needs to be a balance. Our life needs to be a gospel witness as well. And we're, we're to be faithful to, 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 to live our life with the awareness that there's a harvest out there. It's, it's there. And I'm the reaper. 
I need to get out there and, and work that harvest field and reap the Lord's harvest. Jesus told his disciples to stop making excuses. Don't say, don't say there's four months and then come at the harvest. Don't be a gun-to-do Christian. Just stop making excuses. Lift up your eyes, he said. The, in the song I, I, I cited earlier, push away from the table. Look out through the window pane. Just beyond this house of plenty lies a field of golden grain, and it's ripe unto harvest. Don't be a gun-to-do Christian. Be an already-done Christian and get out there and get the harvest. It's, the harvest is prepared. The Lord of the harvest has already prepared the field. We just need to go and bring it in. In Psalm 126, verse 6, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So first, the harvest is ready. But then secondly, I want us to understand this. Number two, the harvest is plentiful. In Matthew 9, verse 37, the first part of that verse, we read, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous. Now, I've been saved for 37 years, and in that time I've listened to countless number of Christians tell me that they do not know to whom they should witness. Well, who do I witness to? I don't know who to go and tell about Jesus. Who, who do I, who, what, what do I do? In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 36, we read, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Did you notice that Jesus did not have any trouble finding a harvest? People are everywhere. The harvest is everywhere. On every street, in every neighborhood, in every school classroom, in every business place, in every grocery store, in every doctor's office. Everywhere we go, the harvest is there. It's a plentiful harvest. Now you and I, we don't know who are the elect of God. But then we don't need to know, do we? Because we're to witness to every creature. We, we, don't, we don't try to decipher who is and who is not. God's elect saint. We just go out and witness to everyone. There is never a wrong address. There is never a wrong person to whom we should witness. But this labor is a distasteful one to the flesh. And the flesh will resist you when you endeavor to go out and attempt to reap the harvest. And the excuse that no one will listen or no one wants to hear these are the most common excuses of all. Listen, I would, I would hate to have had to be the one to witness to me. I, 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 I was not the kind of person you'd want to come to and talk about Jesus. 
But thanks be to God for my friend Michael Alpha, who was not only my friend, he was my employee. He worked for me. And he would get there every day on the job as we were, we were carpenters, as we were building a house, or maybe we were working inside of a, a wooden ship or at the shipyards or something. Every day he would witness to me. And no matter what I said, he would not back down. And he witnessed to me every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Till one day we were driving home and my cousin worked with me and I would drive him home and to work. We were driving home. He was sitting next to me. And I told him, I said, when this job is over, I'm firing Mike. He said, why? He's a good carpenter. I said, he's driving me crazy with this Jesus stuff. And when this job is done, I'm firing him. Well, I guess that job is not done. Because I didn't fire him. But he didn't make any excuses. He didn't, he didn't say, well, I better not witness to Dalton because he's my boss. And I might upset him. I might make him mad. He might fire me. He didn't make an excuse. He, he didn't say, well, you know, he's, he's a Catholic. He won't listen to me. He did not make excuses. He had no idea whether I would believe or not, but he just witnessed to me. And God did the rest. There's a harvest just waiting to be brought in. There are, this is a scary thought, but there are, Thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of Daltons out there. People that your skin would crawl to even think about talking to them about Jesus, but just like me, they need to hear it. They need to hear the gospel. And we can't afford to be sitting down in the house, feasting on, at the Lord's table, and enjoying all the fellowship, but never pushing away from the table and getting to work in the fields. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest, I said, is prepared. Number three, the laborers are few. The laborers are few. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I can think of nothing more frustrating than to be understaffed. Any of you ever ever have to deal with that on the job? Maybe Maybe you're a manager or or something, and, and you got something, and you just don't have enough people to get the job done. That's a frustrating experience. Where I work in, 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 at Villa Marin, I, I'm in charge of staffing the health center. And it's a near impossible task because the number of people they want on each shift and the number of employees I have doesn't, it, it, you can't make it fit. It won't work. And then if you do manage to, Weave it in there. Somebody calls in sick. And that throws the whole thing out of whack. 
It's so frustrating. Nothing worse than being understaffed. But Jesus told his disciples, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Jesus told his disciples, I don't have enough laborers in the field. Now, don't get me wrong here. The Lord is not frustrated by the lack of laborers because there's nothing hidden from God. He knows the number of laborers he has. So tonight, I'm not, I'm not headhunting for God, if you know what I mean by headhunting. I'm not out trying to drum up uh, prospects for God. God doesn't need me to drum up prospects. The Lord knows how many laborers he has. He knows where the fields are. He knows who will be saved. He knows who he's going to send. He knows who will go. But what I'm doing is imploring you to submit to the will of God and to go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them, to to press upon them the urgency, compel them to come in. Not for God's sake, but for your own sake. For your own spiritual truth and strength. We're to, we're to join up. We're to, we're to, to, to bind, bond together. And we're to go forth as God's children. We're to, we're to go together and, and to labor together and to work together, to encourage one another, to, to compel one another, to, to drive each other, to press the urgency upon each other that we have a harvest out there. It's ready. It's prepared. And it's plenteous. And we need to get out there and get, get busy bringing it in. I'm not asking you to step out alone tonight. I'm asking all of us to, to work together, to, to organize ourselves, and, 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 and to go forth as, as an army. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not, not another to help him. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but one, how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And there is strength in numbers, is what Solomon's saying. And we need to, we need to, as God's church, as God's family, as God's children, we need to organize ourselves and go forth and bring in the harvest. Go forth as the reapers in the field. When we labor together to do that, which the Lord has commanded, there is strength in the bond. The Lord himself sent the disciples out two by two. He didn't send them alone. In Luke chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, we read, After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. Therefore he said unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And indeed, the laborers are few. Yet there are many, there are many who do go. There's a lot of people out there working the harvest field. Mormons, 
Jehovah Witnesses, Charismatics, even fundamental Baptists. They're out there pounding the streets. Spreading a false gospel sometimes, or a misleading gospel. All the while, God's children are sitting around the table, enjoying the meals, singing, laughing, having a good time. But the harvest is ready. So it is of necessity that we who have the the true gospel message, it is of necessity that we go and that we admonish others to go with us. Listen, I thank God tonight for our doctrinal teaching and preaching here in Berean Baptist Church. I thank God tonight for our faithfulness to stand on biblical principles. I thank God tonight for our stand against compromise and against error. And I don't belittle any of those things. But I fear one thing is lacking. I told you when I started, I don't want you to look at me and, and think that I'm Mr. I, I believe I'm Mr. Perfect. Before I preached this message to you tonight, I preached it to myself. And I had, to, I, had to, I had to reconcile my own life to these things. And I'm here to tell you tonight, I need to go. I've sat around the table too long. I quit, I, I put, I put, I put curtains in the window so I wouldn't have to look at the harvest in the field. And it's time to open those curtains. And it's time to get up from the table. And it's time to look out there and see the harvest. And it's time for us to get back to what, where we need to be and bring that harvest in. I was talking with Brother Gary tonight. I told him, I said, Berean's getting, we're getting to be an old church. And by that, I mean we got more gray hairs than, than natural blondes or, or brunettes. Folks, we, we got we to gotta get busy. We got to get busy. Open your eyes tonight and see that the harvest is prepared. Overcome your excuses tonight and see that the harvest is plentiful. Join hands with your brethren tonight and see the laborers increase in God's harvest field in this place. Let's not just send our money out to missionaries and pat ourselves on the back because we're, we're, we're propagating the gospel through mission fields. We have a mission field right here. Right here in Rona Park. Right here in Sonoma County. There are people out there that will believe that will answer the voice of the Lord if they hear it. And it's up to you. Listen. I'm not the one that chose the method. God did. It pleases God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that would believe. How shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Who will go and work? Isaiah said, the Lord said, whom shall I send? 
Who will go for me? Isaiah said, here am I, Lord. Send me. I can't answer for any of you tonight. And I'm not trying to answer for any of you tonight. But I can tell you this. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I've, 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 I've sat still too long. And some of you who, who used to go with me on bus routes, and we used to go knock on doors and visit families and see people saved, we need to get back in that field and get back to work and quit making excuses. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the grace that we have tonight. Oh, how wonderful it is. How precious the saving grace that you've given to each of us. It's beyond any imaginable value. And Father, there are so many, just like me, and just like the members of this church, there are so many people within 20 miles of this building tonight that need to hear the gospel. And Lord, we can't just sit here, we just can't sit here in the barn and wait for them to walk in to hear the truth. We need to go out there and compel them. We need, we need to stress upon them the urgency of knowing Christ. So I pray you begin tonight in this room, in this place, with this crowd, which is the most faithful members of this church. I pray you'd speak to our hearts concerning this, this important need for our church. And help us, Lord. Help us to, to accept the challenge. And in your strength and in your power, go forth as reapers in the harvest field that you've prepared. Thank you for this time tonight. I pray that the message would have been received in the spirit that it was given. Bless it now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.